guests this week are the electric grandmother. We recorded this episode in their apartment and it was a lot of fun. All of us forgot to mention that they have a show this Wednesday at the Black Cat. So I'm saying it now. All fans do attend. The artwork this week, as always, is by Mike Riley at MikeRileyComics.com. And once again, we're being hosted by Splice Today. Check them out at splicetoday.com. Let's, Let's go, go in. Uh, I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland, Akron area called Aurora. It was small kind of, you know, town, but now it's, it's bigger now. But yeah, it was, it was uh, you know, just very regular old suburbia. You cool. know, it's okay. I don't like it very much. Yeah. I don't like going back, <laughs> uh, quite honestly. Mm. Doesn't do it for me. That sounds like so cool, but I feel like I never really fit in. Like, oh, is that, is, that, is that my, you know, it's, I'm more of a big city kind of guy. Yeah. So. How about you? I grew up in Honolulu. Um, That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, suburbs thereof, but yeah, I went to school in the city and Hawaii girl. I think you're the only person I've ever met that's from Hawaii. I think a lot of people think that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how did that go down? Like, how did your My parents in were in the Peace Corps in the late 60s and early 70s, and they were stationed in Micronesia, and uh, they went into the Peace Corps right out of college and uh, decided to pursue graduate studies in... Polynesian, Micronesian society, and uh, that's where they stayed. Okay, and and like, what did you make of it? Like, what was it like? Well, it was normal to me. You know, it's hard to compare growing up in yeah. Hawaii versus there's there's a lot of things that are uh, different. I think objectively, uh, like race is is different there it, it's got a different quality you know people relate to each other differently yeah. uh it's small uh being you know my dad worked a good example of this my dad worked for the university and i went to that university for college and people would see my name on the on the roster and say oh are you and i'd say yes so uh it was there's a lot of everybody knows everybody kind of things just because it's even though honolulu is a city of almost a million people there's only so far you can go physically. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, that's different. The food is awesome and different. Um, it's actually given me less of an appreciation for, like, natural beauty. I kind of take it for granted. Uh, a lot of people say, oh, that must have been beautiful. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I lived there for four years. And, uh, oh, yeah. From 97 to 2001, I, I can attest to it's beauty. I was blown away. You know, uh, yeah. you know, living near a mountain and the water is just really clear. And yeah, it's, I can attest to what she's saying. Small. And I sometimes, you know, sometimes felt claustrophobic, you know, uh, living in a remote area, but you know, uh, 
in something that is it's very expensive to live there. You know? mm, that's so, true too. Yeah. So it's it's that presented some uh, difficulties at time, but and yeah. that's actually gotten worse. That's something that 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 makes me sad about where I grew up is that uh, the cost of living is like outpacing wages. Yeah. So what was middle class when I was growing up is not middle class anymore. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So so wait so how did you guys meet? We met online. Oh, in nineteen ninety six. Back when it wasn't. Before it was cool. Real common. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We met online. Uh, and we were teenagers too, which was mm-hmm. uh, kind of a big deal. Yeah, in a, in a chat forum. You know, back in the day when they had chat, chat forums. Forum. It was Columbus based. Randomly. Uh, yeah, Doug Stevenson's <laughs> chat forum. I think he was just a college student at OSU. And it was like a project he was doing. Mm-hmm. And we just randomly met on there. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another, I guess, for, for lack yeah. of... I mean, you know, we, we just sort of talked for a while and got to know each other. and We're kind of instantly committed to each other, as I guess teenagers would do. Yeah. And uh, our vacation... We, we, we aligned vacations so that when I was visiting my grandma on the East Coast, uh, he and his dad came to the Philly area to uh, meet, meet me. And then yeah. the following summer, I graduated from high school and spent a good several weeks with you and Aurora. And then mm-hmm. a couple months later, he moved because we couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so from the time we met... To the time we, uh, you know, I moved to be there. It was about a year and a half, so we would just talk long distance. And that uh, was back when uh, long distance was like expensive. a real thing. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the phone bills are kind of out of control. Because we would talk for like hours a night and yeah. pay, you know, 15 cents a minute. For that. So at the time, like <laughs> I was working, working fast food and making about $400 a month, and about 300 would go to the phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you know, of course, it was worth it. And you know, here we are, twenty years later. Yeah. When did Electric Grandmother start? Uh, nineteen ninety nine is the official uh, starting point. Uh, because I was, I had uh, friends and I, um, back in you know Cleveland area, we had uh, a group called the Doldrums where we would play just like lo fi, kind of Daniel Johnson influenced, Ween influenced type. Music, cool. uh, resonance, influence, you know, anything that we enjoyed at the time. And then, so once I was in Hawaii, you know, I was, I was getting pretty stir crazy because I missed making music. So, you know, it sort of decided, uh, you know, I remember she let me borrow a, because a, I didn't have any way to record. And so she let me borrow this tape recorder she had. And so I made this tape of like, you know, 84 songs. You know, something like that. It's like two months. <laughs> I mean, it's just like they're not, you know, they're not up to the par of, you know, what I would want to be our output these days. Yeah. But uh, it's just a lot of, you know, eight songs in a day just sort of like thinking about uh, anything and just putting it, to, you know, on a tape. And so a lot of those I hope never see a lot of day. Mm. <laughs> but uh, some of them have been archived. Uh, but yeah, and and so the name came about because I said because you know this movie I saw when I was a kid and she had seen it too. She was familiar. A lot of people our age are familiar with the movie. The Electric Grandmother. 
uh, you know, about the grandmother who is robot. a robot. And oh, cool. the, the fa- <laughs> yeah, in the family, uh, the mom dies, and so they they buy a grandma robot. And <laughs> yeah, and I saw it when I was like six. It was one of those things. Like, did I make that up? You know, she's like, no, no. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I said that'd be a good name for the band. For you know, for a band, and she's like, "Well, why don't you call that your solo project?" You know, because there was a time it was before you know we sort of merged into a duo. Yeah, and uh, so you know, that's how that went. And and like, so did you start doing shows and stuff in like? Not yet. There? Not, no. no, no. Actually, I uh, when we moved to Columbus, I was a vocalist for this band called Upchuck Berry, and it was more like sort of like. I don't know, more like hardcore, like eighties kind of like Husker Dude, Dead Kennedys kind of influence yeah. stuff, and that was a lot of fun. But like that didn't last very long. Uh, people graduated and you know moved away and stuff like that. We only played a couple shows, but we put out like a CDR that was yeah. pretty good. Uh, uh, but like the Electric Grandmother playing out started when I uh, sent a cassette to uh, Cleveland State Radio on the at, at the uh, suggestion of my friend who I'd played music with before uh, in the Cleveland area and I was just like okay and so I sent it to him and you know they loved it and you know I, I didn't hear it you know their comments on it but I was told like yeah they really love it and so then I got, I got contacted by uh, the people at the radio station saying, you know, we want to put together this show. It was like, it was called Cassette Fest. You know, like people sending cassettes, they picked the best one, and they're like, we want to put on a show. They wanted me, you know, let's grab my little headline. And we'd never yes. played a show. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so we It ta- was never intended to be a live yeah. thing. Mm. It was- like, it was always meant to be sort of like a bedroom project that here, um, let's amuse our friends with uh, with these hilarious songs that yeah. he's writing about mm-hmm. things that are like really personal like not like personal like deep dark secrets or anything like that but things that are just funny to us that we didn't think anybody else but us and our immediate friends would think were funny which is some of the stuff that is in still in Electric Grandmother today like the, the sitcoms and the, the nostalgic stuff yeah it's a good point is that it was never intended to be because I was still trying to like find bands to work with you know just kind of keeping him busy while he yeah yeah it was something you know keep me occupied and so and the reason that that's relevant I think is because and I'm sorry to interrupt no it's okay uh, the reason that I think that's relevant is because that's where the sort of fantastic live show was born because um, I think that there was a little bit of uh, self-consciousness on, on his part, the fact that it wasn't a traditional band. So uh, the fact that the music was rather simple and uh, that he wouldn't be actually playing instruments on stage, we felt like we needed to add a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I and I use the pronoun we because even though it was still technically a solo, like I, I you know, we threw around ideas together. Yeah. And so the that's where the slides came in because uh, our friends of ours who were a very decent sized band in the Cleveland area called Infinite Number of Sounds uh, at the time had this really spectacular like motion picture accompaniment which we thought was beyond our grasp at the time 
And so when she says slides, she means literally, literally slides. slides. Like, like your grandparents. Oh, yeah. We yeah. bought on eBay like a slide projector that was half broken, and it even said uh, property of Georgia State University on it. <laughs> um, and so when you hit the button, like this, the, the slide didn't advance. It was one of those old-fashioned carousel. Yeah. So you had to like push the button, hold it down, and then physically move it with your hand in order to advance the slide. And so that was the very first... Um, projector accompaniment that we had with it. We also had stuff like a bubble machine and like Spencer's gift style, like uh, um, I, I, they they called them disco lights, but they're like, like a, yeah, a little thing that f- sat on the floor and spun around and projected like different colored lights. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and also. Uh, it's also important to note that those slides were expensive, and we, we approximated about we designated about three or four images per song. And so you've seen this show now. Yeah. How is this this you know lightning fast work of art that she does? At the time, right. it was just sort of like, here's a picture. Forty five seconds later, here's another picture. And but I know it, it worked. It worked for the time. You know uh, that show. We it was the first show we ever did was in the Cleveland area at Pats and the Flats. And uh, it was outside, which caused a few problems because we're gonna go last. We had this, you know, show with this image show we were gonna do, but so it only, it only got dark about halfway through the set. You could still see it to an extent. And also, the the wind was really bad that day. The wind was really bad. And we had we had at the time instead of the sheet that we have now, we had like a stand up like old school like screen where you you open up the tripod and then pull the oh yeah yeah yeah, and that kept like blowing over and so at one point and this is like one of my favorite things about electric grandmother is uh at one point we were just like oh let's just forget the slides never mind the slides and our friend eric was like no that's why we brought it and so like that's been like one of our mottos is like whenever we feel like giving up on something it's like no that's why we brought it yeah. we, we harness the power of that initial statement at the very first show yeah that's our friend Eric X and uh, he it's it's just an inspiration because it's one of those pinnacle you know uh, moments where if we don't do it that time then maybe we act scared for the rest of you know Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's sort of like taking on like this really weighty meaning. That's why we. Yeah, that's it. why we bought it, and uh, we, uh, you know, we we never forget that. But yeah, yeah, because that was our first show, and I hadn't, you know, played out a lot uh, at that time. I'd maybe been on stage less than five times, and because it was sort of a monkey, I couldn't get off my back uh, trying to get on stage, and I was twenty six at the time, and so I was all. You know, panicking like that's so old and everything, and uh, um, so but so we were both very nervous. You know, sort of this idea that you know, feeling like you don't belong. Right. You know, right. it's your first show, so. And there were all these bikers there, which kind of made us nervous because we didn't think that they would like it. <laughs> they left actually before we even went on, but um, yeah, that was that was, <laughs> it was just nerves like. But yeah, that's why we brought it became our rallying cry. So we, we played this show outside. It was unusually cold for, for June, June of 2004. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to our friends and the, the you know, the, some of the DJs at the station, a couple other people. And I remember uh, one of the DJs uh, saying I was very entertained and impressed. And so that was good enough for me. Yeah. And at the time, uh, 
I I, just, I had bought like a CD player, a tabletop CD player. You know, you're probably familiar with those old you know, oh, yeah. old timey things. You know, and uh, so we used that, and that would eventually later cause problems. I realized, you know, getting shocks from the PA and skipping. Yeah. So, uh, but that's what we used at the time. Just a hundred dollars. Just bought that. I think off of eBay. Did that pr- lead pretty naturally into like? Finding more shows and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I think at that point, the idea was okay. Let's let's do this. You know, like uh, yeah. I'm I'm your grandmother. You know, and she's off stage. You know, helping out with the images, and yeah. So uh, did the first Columbus show. You know, I can't remember. I think it was at this uh, recording studio. I think the yeah. Superphonic show. Yeah. And. Um, we had a uh, a light that said just said party on it. <laughs> it was uh, neon. <laughs> yeah, and a, and a friend of ours broke it, so that that, that was, was the end of that. Party. <laughs> and um, we, you know, just from there, the idea is like, okay, you know, we just sort of did shows in uh, Cleveland and Columbus mostly, and uh, a, you know, we we did. The, I think the XB showcase was that fall. Was this message board called experimental behavior, and they invited us down or up from where we were, and uh, and that went re- that went really well. And I met a lot of people for the first time. I met uh, other people who we played shows with in Columbus over the years because they were it was all part of this community. I uh, met people uh, just who I, I I'd only known from this message board, and yeah. so that was really cool. And the and then and the cool thing about that was that it was it was called experimental behavior, but they which normally you think of noise when you think of yeah. experimental music, but like it, it was just a catch all for the weirdos from Columbus and Cleveland, which I don't feel like we've ever really regained that until maybe very recently. Like just like being able to play with other off kilter sort of bands and and, yeah. and groups and, and and that is so valuable because you know when when we've played with indie rock bands it's it's hard um because i we love indie rock and we love punk rock and everything but i don't think people are all that interested if people are coming out to see us they're probably not interested in seeing an indie rock band play with us and vice versa yeah you know so like to be able to find people who are purposefully and actively quirky and trying to you know, be something other than just straightforward, you know, rock and roll is really valuable. Totally. So that has definitely been one of the biggest uh, obstacles we face because, you know, we don't want to, we don't play venues where we would be background uh, because, you know, you have no choice, but we're going to make you participate. Yeah. You know, we're going to either. We're going to yell at you if you're not looking at us. Yeah, annoy the shit out of you, even if you don't. Yeah. Even if you're not there to see a show, right, because right. what else were we doing it for? Yeah. <laughs> no, so, uh, but, but you know, we we have played shows like that where people were just trying to, you know, eat dinner or just have a good time. And right. We end up ruining their their good time. <laughs> yeah. A lot yeah. of a lot of the times. <laughs> Occasionally, people wander in and be like, "Okay, this is <laughs> something interesting," but most right. of the time, get on people's nerves. But that's cool. So, like. In Columbus and Cleveland at that time, you felt like it was the opposite. Like, 
Well, we, we, I mean, I think there's definitely people open to it. Yeah. Uh, once I realized that not everyone would be open to it, that sort of, you know, creates these, you know, these, I, I want to say doubts, but uh, it makes you tentative. Oh, yeah. Uh, in certain cases, and you feel like maybe more exposed with bands that don't match up as well with you, but I think that because uh, when when we're starting out, we didn't have as many friends and allies, and so you risk having these shows uh, where you get you know heckled, which we haven't really been heckled in a long time. Yeah. Because we the mostly last played. Time was that Little Brothers, right? Uh, Little Brothers? I don't remember that. The, yes, you did. Oh, the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> I think was, that was uh, the very last time. Okay, yeah, we uh, had a show. We opened for this. Uh, band Dead Boy and the Elephant Man, uh, who were it was probably our biggest show to date mm. at that time. Uh, attendance wise, yeah, yeah, and uh, it was it was one of those things where this venue uh, got to uh, got used to counting on Electric Grandmother to be available because you know it was just at the drop of a hat. Yeah, right, we're not right, a band, right. you know. I mean, there's just two of us. <laughs> we're, we're not a band. We're not a band. <laughs> Well, we, I mean, you probably experienced the same thing where, yes, because you did. You filled yeah. in at the last second for us. Because, for the dumplings. You know, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so to be able to just, sure, we'll play. So they, got, so they got used to that, and uh, it ended up being this, you know, this is like a doom metal band following. And, and you know, so we got there, and I just looked at the crowd, and I'm like, these people are going to hate it. Yeah. And so... I did about like four shots and it was just like, I'm going to go out there and be as insane as possible. And, and I sort of prepared because, you know, you've seen, you've seen a show where we like to talk back to the crowd yeah. and engage and insult our friends and everything. So I, I sort of, I was like, I, I know I'm going to get heckled and I'm just going to have to let these people have it. And so, uh, some people start, you know, you suck and everything because it was just like, at that time, it was even more you know, off putting off kilter than what you would hear now. Right. And this is like Casio Beats type stuff. And people were just like, what the fuck is this? And so, and I knew that was going to happen. And it, and I felt like half of the crowd was for it and half was against it. Like, right. I wanted to kill it. Like, uh, this guy's like, suck, you know, you suck. And I was like, no, dude, I rule. And, like, half the crowd cheered and half of them booed. Right. And, like, and it was just this, it was a train wreck. And I was worried that these people were going to, like, beat my ass afterwards in the parking lot. And But it was, it was, it was, a, it's an experience and a memory. <laughs> and, uh. <laughs> and, and as far as, like, the songs, are all the songs about TV and movies or, or like just the songs that are obviously about TV and movies. That's <laughs> that, interesting. That is a good question because I feel like there are songs that uh, we do that are more direct, like dinosaurs. It's about the TV show dinosaurs and all the feelings that come with you know watching a shitty show like dinosaurs, and also loving it for its shittiness. And then there's other songs I write that have more veiled references that almost are, or in fact are, inside jokes between us. Right. Uh, yeah, just because... Yeah. That's a good example. 
uh, the song on the latest one, Yo Palm Springs, is it based entirely on an inside joke between us, and it's just because that's what makes us laugh. Yeah. And so that's when I feel more most creative uh, when I'm you know, entertaining myself. And so I can just build a song around this idea, whether or not it makes sense to anyone, because it all sort of goes into this electric grandmother, uh, you know, mixing pot, yeah. of, you know, surrealistic humor or just, you know, I mean, however you want to look at it, you know, right. it, it really is, is as long as the song entertains us first and foremost and is up to our standards, then... You know, enjoy. Yeah, but, but like, what? I, was there a point where you were like, "Oh, a, a giant percentage of these songs are about TV." Well, that's was kind that of how like the plan. Kind of, yeah, because yeah. that's what that's what I did with my friends, like when we were younger. Yeah, like it, believe it or not, it started by like you know, me writing poems about you know in like sitcom characters and enter these poems <laughs> just because it was like that's pretty funny what I yeah. just did there it's like and again like keep in mind when this was happening this is like 1995 1996 when he was writing these poems about Macaulay Cook and Death Squad and and and, 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 and you know Danny Tanner's Ricky Schroeder and Squad Team around my room just like I don't know. And this, it was still kind of current at the time yeah like, like a lot it, of these shows were still still on TV yeah. when he yeah. started writing about them and so, twenty years later, now it's it's nostalgia. Where at the time it was current, so it's been interesting to sort of see all that happen. But yeah, no, that was that. I guess that was essentially the plan. Yeah. Uh, because it, you know, when I started Electric Grandmother, to keep in that same you know tradition, because you know, I me and my friends we thought it was funny. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, it's it's, it's no it's nothing that nobody else was doing really I mean except from like you would sometimes have uh you know I, I think of uh yeah you know Murder in the Brady House by this band we liked Screeching Weasel oh, yeah. like here and there but nobody who did all songs right. or mostly <laughs> songs about that yeah are you guys like big like TV and movie heads or is it just like that those things are, like, in the consciousness of everybody. Um, our DVD collection is over there. It's impressive, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we do. That's, it, like, people People have asked, you know, sort of suggested that, that maybe a lot of the humor is based solely on uh, nostalgia and um, uh, irony. Mm-hmm. But it's... Not right. It's genuine. Like that's what we do. That's how we live. Yeah. That's what we do with our free time. Like when we're not like out or whatever, we're at home, you know, burning holes in our full house DVD set. I mean, really, like full house is the one. It is. It is the. What essential sitcom for TV show? Yeah. Yeah. And what does it say about like Full House? That, well, like, I, like on the new album, like, like what does it mean that there's going to be like a new Full House? To, like to you guys, you know, well, I, that, we don't know that we don't know what it's <laughs> gonna be like, but I felt that it was very important to have a song about Fuller House, but sh- yeah. before the show came out, because of the the art of that, you know, <laughs> having a song about a show that is, is hasn't even happened yet, <laughs> and I felt like if someone had to do it, it would be us. 
Yeah. And so I've been like, uh, you know, we shot that video uh, with the help from, you know, Mason from CatScan uh, at Mount Vernon. And I've just been like on Facebook posting it on like Dave Coulier's Facebook wall, you know, trying <laughs> to get, get attention. And I don't, I, and, and none of the actors from Fuller House have acknowledged its existence, but I mm. think that it's, it's made some people pay attention. And, yeah. uh, you know, not to any major extent, but it's, it's, it's mainly the enjoyment of the prank of it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, the, at that show, the one with Gavin and Catskin, like, um, the sound guy being like, so is that all the stuff that you guys watched as kids or something? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, he's like that's, that's terrible. <laughs> like, like, like I guess, I guess, like he thought, like it was all like being presented as like a nightmare or something. <laughs> well, yeah, you can take it that way. I mean, because we we've had these philosophical discussions about sitcom core and what it means, like, and basically we determined that Seinfeld killed the sitcom as we knew it because it was so. It was so brilliant. And Conrad Bain agrees with that. Although he... The hated, late Conrad yes, Bain. He hated Seinfeld? Well, he said that it killed the innocence of the... He was being disparaging about Seinfeld. I think the way we talk about Seinfeld is with a deep amount of respect. Like, mm. it ruined sitcoms for the better. Maybe. It, it, it killed the innocence is what it did. Yeah. Is that it was yeah. aware of itself as a sitcom and we could never go back. Yeah. Which is why it's so curious as to why we're bringing all of this stuff back. Like, it's not it's not just Fuller House because uh, good old um, Girl Meets World has been around for, like, more than a year now. Mm. And it's doing... It's, it's surviving. Like, it's speaking to kids somehow. Yeah. And we've watched a few of them, and it's really a weird show. Like, there was one that we caught the other day where Mark Cuban was just randomly on it, taking <laughs> their uh, suggestions as to how they're going to make... They, they were starting some foundation. It was like the Minkus Family Foundation, and, and, and Mark Cuban was going to contribute to it. And so he had the, the offspring of Corey and Topanga come and telling them about uh, how they're going to change the world, and it was so earnest. It was almost like a return to Full House, but it was worse because it was on the <laughs> Disney Channel, and it was they—they they were. It, it was a millennialized Full House in that it was sappy and it was sweet, but it was so do-gooder. Whereas, like everything that we grew up was so much about me. I, I, I that doesn't make any sense, Self, but self-serving. Sometimes. It was self-serving. Yeah, yeah, it was. But 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 now we're seeing like and 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 I think Fuller House is probably if it's going to be successful, it's going to take the same direction where it's going to be about, you know, the 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 world being an okay place because families work together yeah. to Yeah, you know, so yeah. you can't go home again. It's not going to be the same. It's going to be corny and it's going to be, you know, kind of awful, but not, not in a good way. But which is not to say that next weekend we don't have plans to, um, celebrate his birthday by watching all of the house on Saturday. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think people are probably counting on us for our feedback. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, you can't, you can't, uh, go back to, you can't recreate being unself-aware. Uh, I mean, you, you know, like, well, Family Matters is, you know, here's Urkel, and don't you just love it because it's Urkel? It's like, well, no. 
<laughs> and but if that were to happen today, they would be very self-aware of what they're doing. Right. And yeah, you can't you can't replicate that. It's it's sort of like when you hear a record uh, from another time, and uh, you know it's different from being like influenced by some like for you for example have old school hip hop influence but it's like there's some records where you listen to it and it's like you couldn't recreate that sound oh yeah and it, it's kind of like that if we're getting real deep and philosophical no, on no, it <laughs> no I, I'm just saying that that's where that's where we're taking it when did you join as far as actually playing on stage well I by the very first show, I was in charge of the projections. Yeah. So the the slides and everything, those were all selected by by me. And at the time, it was mainly uh, Google. Like it was it was image searching, and it was finding images that would accompany the songs that he wrote 100 percent by yeah. himself without input from me. And uh, but it was only meant to sort of be an accessory at the time. Um, and then. As things, as time went on, and we, we we were able to buy our our our, our digital projector, uh, then the 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 projection became more elaborate, and it sort of became more part of the show. And then you know eventually, um, you know he asked me whether I wanted to be on stage with him, and I said, "Cool, uh, yeah, I'll do that." And uh, then I started feeling a little bit dumb standing up there just hitting the button. So then that's when the, the vocals started being put into the, the songs. And it was it was kind of a natural sort of... Organic. Just, yeah, it, it just kind totally. of happened. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've never been particularly musically inclined. Um, I was always a very... As a child, I, I, was, I, was, I had a very short attention span generally. And so, although I took a few piano lessons and a couple of general music lessons, uh, and I've always loved music, I, I've never been able to stick to it enough. Mm. You know, I took a couple of guitar lessons in high school and gave up on that pretty quickly. Uh, I, I've never been a really strong singer, so it's it's been a process trying to 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 get get it to a point where I, I feel good about. Um, what I'm doing on stage 100%, but I feel like we're almost there. And so it's cool. It's great. I feel like I kind of like get to have my cake and eat it too in that I feel like I'm doing what I'm good at, which is the more visual artistic aspects of it, uh, while at the same time being involved in music, which is something that I've always wanted. Like, how did you guys end up moving down here? Um, she, well, we lived in Columbus for 10 years, and we're both sort of Columbus was meant to be a stop because the reason that we moved from Hawaii to Columbus was because I wanted to go to graduate school Ohio State was a decent enough graduate program and he wanted to go home so that was that was sort of that's what made sense at the time and it it intended I started a PhD program it was going to be like a six-year thing and then we were going to we're talking about moving to California so that we could sort of be equidistant from family and friends and everything like that. Um, but, you know, a lot of stuff happened and I ended up finishing my master's, doing most of my PhD and then just saying, forget it, academia is not for me, I'm going to go work for the state. So that's how we ended up staying a good four years longer than we intended to initially. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Columbus, I'm going to say that Columbus is a really difficult place to leave. For a lot of reasons. 
One is that the people are just really great. It's a it's a it's a underrated city in that it's extremely diverse and there's a lot of or there was I don't know. Columbus has kind of changed a lot since we've moved. It's become more of a, a more of a yuppie city than it yeah. was before, and it's there's a lot of parts of Columbus that we don't even recognize anymore because the gentrification is just out of control. But yeah. when we lived there, the people were great. The cost of living is ridiculously low, and uh, it's 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 a very easy city to navigate. You can you can rent a you know three or four bedroom apartment for what it costs to rent a studio here. Uh, you can have a car. You can take the bus. You can do anything. Columbus is very, very easy yeah. to live in, which makes it difficult to leave. So that's why we kept putting it off and everything. And then it took a few years to apply for jobs because I didn't feel comfortable moving anywhere without like a solid job opportunity. And so that ended up being D.C. Yeah, and I, um, I was interested in exploring what else is out there. I really, I really do love Columbus. And I had a great time. And it turns out I, I probably wasn't even mentally ready to leave. You know, kind of I kind of went through some tough times. Like, it was, it was a real shock to have, you know, all these things at your fingertips, like a band of friends and all these things. And then suddenly it's like, wow, I completely live in a new place. Yeah. So. And I, I think part of that was our age. Like, starting all over at age, what was it, 34? 33? Yeah is is really really difficult like yeah. harder than either of us thought that you know mm-hmm. moving to a town where you have yeah a couple family you know aunts and uncles and stuff but no real friends a couple of friends of friends and then just having to like start from scratch was a challenge yeah it, it was uh it was very difficult but uh we're we're very happy with you know how things have been going especially over the past few years just, uh, I mean, getting settled, and like she said, the age was just a little, I mean, it, you're, it's not like you're retiring, and it's not like you're just starting out 20-something. Yeah. A lot of people already have, like, solid groups of friends and oh, yeah. bands that they've been playing with for a long time and everything like that, and we were sort of, I know, I felt a lot like I was in sort of inserting myself into situations that were already really established, mm. which is awkward. And I'm not, I'm, you know, socially not always the most graceful person in the world, but, uh, and that, that, you Luckily, know. I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, Mr. Smooth here. <laughs> Mr. Smooth, Mr. Cool. I just, uh, uh, inject myself in different places and, you know, make everyone love me. <laughs> so. Well, I feel like DC is probably, like, the hardest place I could imagine be like inserting yourself just because it's like I feel like so many people just like like everyone's like a professional here kind of that's I think that's a stereotype really I think that's a little unfair yeah I mean because it's it's not just you I think everybody thinks that about DC but like I, we have we have a few circles of friends um, in the area, and and they're all really great, amazing people. Yeah. And I think part of that is the fact that people move here from all over. So you know, we have one group of friends who's you know sort of more activisty, vegan, you know, more punk rock, and 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 they're such good people. I I feel like. I, I feel like a, a like I'm on it's always sunny and I'm like I don't I don't deserve them because they're so good and so <laughs> wonderful and I'm and I'm less good and less wonderful but 
that you know but they're from all over and yeah. they all work in nonprofits and they 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 all have really strong opinions on things and they're all really really great incredible people and that is very unique to DC mm. like people who I you know I know it's 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 an election year and people are all sort of engaged in politics but these people are always engaged in politics yeah. and they're always interested in in laws that are being passed in in Arlington and and <laughs> you know like like things that people normally just don't care about people turn their brains off for three and a half years and then all of a sudden everybody's an activist in yeah. 2012 and 2016 but uh, yeah no they, the, the people who are very very committed so while they they care about their jobs and everything it's it's you know their their jobs are a means to achieving what they want the world to be like yeah which is important and then we have other groups of friends who are dc natives who are also really cool because they you know they they grew up in the area so they they didn't like move here for a career they're just regular people who are going about their lives and uh you know have interest in art and 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 music and well, that's what's good about being in a band and and i noticed the same thing it's the difference for yeah. columbus is that we met most of our friends in Columbus because of the band, and the same goes for here. I mean, once you're in the music scene, it makes it a lot easier uh, to make friends, and I, I that's why we still have you know big get-togethers and things like that. It's because of the music scene, and so it's it's really beneficial uh, from that perspective. So you think about it, uh, I think maybe. Some people don't have that kind of, uh, you know, good fortune to do that, to meet all totally. sorts of interesting people. And, and maybe they're just friends with, you know, who they work with. Yeah. And I'm glad that's not the case for us. And I feel like that's one of the best perks to being in a band. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like our jobs are not super big deal DC jobs. Like I, I work out in the suburbs and I'm not really friends with a lot of people that I work with. So, yeah. and, and, and he works for a small nonprofit. And so it, it, and I don't want them to know about the right. grandmother. So yeah. we don't you know. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we've met most all of our friends like through electric grandmother. So when people talk about you know, people in D.C. being career-obsessed. I'm like, what are you talking about? None of my friends are career-obsessed. Yeah. No, that's not... I don't mean that. I just mean, just, like, on a practical level, it's like, everybody kind of has a serious job. Like, Yeah, but that's kind of cool. I kind of of like that about D.C., is that, you know, even, you know, our our, our friends who are involved in in, in art and, and, and music they all have like really important day jobs which yeah. requires them to be really smart and really interesting and 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 so that that I feel like is you know it's like a it's like a Clark Kent Superman thing yeah. it's like by day they they all have these you know potentially high stress uh you know high stakes jobs but by night they're just as fun as everybody else's yeah so that's where we kind of disagree like I, I kind of I I can see the appreciation for that, but for personally, like, you know, I still wish I didn't have a job. I mean, I, I, I'm glad that I have a salary, yeah. but I don't know. I, I, I don't like to talk about it or think about it. I don't know. I, I, I oh, guess yeah, it, yeah. Because it, it, I feel like my identity is this, and I mean, maybe that's, it, it, maybe that's a, not even a healthy way to look at things. You know, entirely because life is all about everything that makes you you, 
Uh, but, you know, I don't know. It's a punk rock thing, I guess. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I totally feel you. Is Electric Grandmother something you'd like to do more as, like, like a full-time thing, kind of? Well, I, I'm not uh, expecting to ever do that because there's just, like, no way financially. Uh, because, uh, you know, we... I mean, we're, you know, we're a couple first. Yeah. And so we have to look out for each other's best interests. Um, I mean, the thing, I mean, I'm not willing to, and she's not either, to, uh, you know, go broke doing this because, I mean, it... Well, at this point, we have the flexibility not to do that. Yeah, that, that we have the advantage because we can sort of make our own uh make our own way and i can't see you know because there there are advantages to you know working full time you know to support your band which is how i look at it totally like this is you know what i really do and the job is a means to get there you know but i mean we are we're also a married couple and we you know go on vacation and and you know worry about where we're living and grocery bills, you know, yeah. and, and so, um, you know, I, I definitely prefer it this way to having to, I guess, live it impoverished. Well, there's, and oh, there's, totally. there's also a couple of sort of philosophical, you know, I guess, organic reasons, like not to, because you don't work well under pressure. No. If you had to write... Like, if this was... Yeah. In order, as part of your livelihood, you would crash and burn. I would hate it. I would hate it, and I would come to resent it. And that's... That's... that's um, I can't remember the name of musician in Columbus, uh, because he was asked, like, a similar question. And he said, essentially, well, no, because it's like, why would I want to do this for a job? Uh, because, you know jobs suck and this is supposed to be fun yeah and so not that I would necessarily pass up the chance if someone said you know you could uh, you know have food and shelter and be in this band as a result I would take it but I I don't think that Electric Grandmother has the kind of uh, mass appeal that would first allow that and B I I don't think I have it in me to sacrifice what it would take to achieve that in my book becoming like I don't know, a shitty person like someone who's really into uh, sucking up and you know and, and just like making it uh, just like I think that's probably what it, what it would what it would take uh, you know maybe not being very clear here but just uh no, no. It, 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 it would take, uh, like, I really have no interest in sucking up to Pitchfork or, you know, whoever right, to, right. To, to really... Make a splash in yeah. it to make it sustainable. And I, and I, I mean, I have, I have, and being a non-musician musician, I think I, I, I probably shouldn't even make that big of a deal out of this, but the fact that we live pretty comfortably off our day jobs allows us to keep our music free. Which oh, I, yes. I don't look. I don't. I don't want to. And 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 I risk like making it seem like well we're better because we give it away. I think it's it's very clear to us that we're very lucky that we're able to give it away. 
but I think by keeping by keeping our music from becoming a commodity, it 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 stays. And I'm not going to use the word pure because that's horrible. But it it by 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 keeping the business aspect just sort of completely separate from it, it stays ours. Yeah, yeah. you know it 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 remains it it remains local and it remains pure and it remains. Uh, I don't know, special. I don't know. Well, yeah, you kind of said what I was trying to say, so thank you. Uh, I mean, it, and I don't want to, I don't, I also want to clarify that it's not like, even if I did say Stick Out the Pitchfork, that they would necessarily feature us in there if I did that. It's like, oh, if I would only just sell out. It's like, because they're probably not interested anyway. But the point is, I'm not willing to put in the effort to schmooze and all that stuff right. whether what whether or not what would happen is beyond me i don't know probably not a whole lot it would probably be not much of a gain for how much i would have to give up right 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 uh you can either have like this kind of thing as your sanctuary yeah or because you know your anxieties and your fears are going to come out in some manner you know you can't just that's something i've learned over the years you can't just sort of you know live permanently on vacation in your life right. no matter what you're doing right i mean uh, you know, you do a lot of touring and a lot of bands do a lot of touring, but you can't get rid of that that part of life that just stresses you out. Yeah. And yeah. so it's gonna it's gonna bite you in bite you in the ass in some manner. And so that's sort of how I look at it and I've always have like I get most of like that part of my life out just at work. You know, probably makes it unpleasant to work with. But I'm I'm just I'm just completely I'm practically a different person, I feel like. Mm. Uh because again I don't you know, I don't show them. I mean, I don't tell them about your grandmother. I don't. I don't want them to be a part of that. It's just sort of like how I've compartmentalized things. Oh yeah, in my yeah. mind. You know, with, with like working these jobs, like full time and everything. Like, what is like the workflow like for you guys putting an album together? Um, that that it was interesting uh, because I, we sort of had a. Uh, a flow going in Columbus, you know, I would work on music here and there and, and, you know, she would do her thing here, you know, when we could. Yeah. Uh, and then, so moving here was just another adjustment like that. And I feel like we're still, I mean, we still, just because we're, we're kind of, uh, we're kind of both people of routine, like when it comes to, just our everyday activities, just just to get the most out of life, you know, spend time with each other, uh, just do what we can to keep this, you know, machine of ours going. Yeah. And uh, for this last album, uh, just, I mean, you know, weekends and just after coming home from work, just uh, doing what I could, uh, it, it, it was, it was a slower process because actually when we moved here, I had a lot of time on my own because I was still, you know, looking for work. And that's when, uh, around the time I put out love and escalator in 2012. Yeah. And so I had a lot of time just to, uh, be at home and just write songs and it went really well. So it was sort of a, shock to have to go back to work again and have to find time yeah. as opposed to having a lot of time to uh, you know sleep in and then 
you know, to sort of take it easy, you know, because for me, I, I don't know how a, a lot of people, I mean, we all, we all write differently, you know, in different modes. I'm better. My best output comes when I'm relaxed and happy. Uh, I'm not one of those people that's motivated by, you know, I'm really angry right now, so I'm going to write. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm really sad right now, I'm going to write. Because it's what I enjoy most in the world is, you know, doing music and totally. it's, it's who I am. And uh, so uh, I associate that with, you know, feeling good. And so uh, is definitely uh, just making, make, you know, just taking any sort of space that is, <laughs> I mean, just not allotted to work or doing you know whatever else in life yeah I feel like you guys have like definitely like dark chambers within like the material you know like the like the Michael Jackson <laughs> track and, <laughs> and then what's the one that's like like uh it's like in the dungeon I oh here's your fuck stuff yeah that is about the Bicycle Man episode of Different Strokes where Dudley gets molested. Yeah. And uh, when I wrote that, she's, she was just like... Because that's probably the darkest thing I'd ever written. And she was just... You we were visibly uncomfortable. <laughs> like For some reason, the horse sample in that <laughs> was the most horrifying thing I'd ever heard. Um. So that's more about... I mean, because... You know, I've had, you know, my issues just, you know, in life where, you know, with uh, how, how you know, not to delve too much into it, but however yeah. I'm feeling, you know, there's this dark side of my personality, but yeah. that's more of a, from a perspective of just, you know, pushing, you know, I, I really don't want to say pushing the envelope, that's a cliche, <laughs> but just, I don't know, it's just having, uh, it's more about a sense of humor. Yeah, those yeah. songs. Do, do they kind of come from like see like seeing how far you could stretch the sitcom songs in a way? I I, or, I think I, don't I think know. so. Yeah. I do. I I think definitely it's more about it's 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 more. I don't want to say it's a superficial darkness, but it's 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 more of a response to what's already there as yeah. opposed to. I'm expressing the darkness right, 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 inside right. of me. It's just like, what was that? Right. Like, <laughs> why would you do that? Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's it's about you know uh, pushing myself creatively, creatively. Yeah. As opposed to again, you know, like she said, and here's your fuck stuff has nothing to do with like, you know, uh, being upset personally. It's more about. Uh, you know the art side of it and maybe right. freak some people out that said there are songs though that are personally about you know your dark feelings yeah that people probably have overlooked I don't think there's any on Bodyguard um there certainly was on Love in an Escalator and Listening Party yeah um you, Listening Party you can definitely hear it's your temper tantrum yeah, problem. Yeah, it, it's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, I don't want to say despair, but I guess the temper tantrum album is a it's good way to put it. I a think lot of it's frustration. frustration. 
with just like life or whatever. I guess life and and music. I think too. Mm-hmm. That was it. Was sort of a. Well, I think at that point I was really getting fed up with people's attitudes in the music scene, and we've all been there. But you know, I, I think when I was starting out like this, because I come from the school of you know Nirvana and Kurt Cobain, where you know you're sort of an outsider and you found your place. Yeah. And so I think naively I presumed that a music scene would just be different. It would it would just be all about accepting each other's differences and you know it's open minded sort of utopia of a, you know every everyone we all look out for each other. But it's it's not. It's just like any other. It's funny situation. too because I think I think that's that's a product of your being a suburban kid. You know that you because like when I first met you, you had all these optimistic you know, and, and utopian ideals about what punk rock was and everything like that. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's, 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 it's like music scenes, I think, are just like any social situation that you have people who climb to the top of it, no matter how silly it seems, you know, it's, it's always, there's always strata, you know, and, and I think, you know, in, in, in your little, little scene uh, out, out in the suburbs of Cleveland, it was, it was that simple. It was that cute and, well, and that nice know, and, and, and you everything. Know, I don't know because when you say Cleveland, because I think like we friends of mine, all of us, you know, outsider punky type people, we would meet at this Dunkin' Donuts uh, in Seoul in a nearby city, and so that was kind of like it for us. But I was never really involved in the Cleveland music scene, That's so what I'm I might have. I might have like discovered. you were you were very insulated in your little yeah. suburban, you know. And it was it was great. Like he's still friends with a lot of his friends who were, you know, close friends. It's like no time has passed when he gets back together with them. And uh, yeah, but you 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 did have these. You always do though. That's that you're a yeah. utopian thinker. I think. I am. Like you assume the best is going to happen. I am, and I think uh, a lot of that is due to you know some things I've gone through in life. Like I, you know, I was kind of this weird, awkward kid. Uh, you know, I got I got bullied a reasonable amount, and and I was in I almost died in an accident when I was seventeen, and I think that that and these things have shaped uh, my views of the world, and so I think I sometimes get caught up in this idea that you can sort of escape, you know, pain and suffering if you just sort of get in the right situation, and that that that's actually been a very severely profound thing that I've had to work through uh, because of, you know, you know, things in my past have, have created these, you know, scenarios that I just sort of go off my mind and just assume that things are going to be one way when mm. just, you know, you realize that you, you are, you know, you're mortal. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that I wanted to uh, ignore that because of this, you know, horrific thing, especially my car accident, this horrific thing that happened to me that I just didn't really want to entirely face. It almost seems like that would be grounds for, like, the, not that you would be like this, but, like, the kind of person that would become, like, a Scientologist. Or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Well, you know, it, it, it's... Like, like, taken to the worst extreme. Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, it's... I, yeah, it's the cult of me, I guess, and the cult of us, like, uh... That's so interesting, because he's, like, kind of obsessed with Scientology. It's like a hobby of his. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I um I never thought about that, but I think it's right on. I think I think, you know, because you're conscious of, of that kind of thing and, and again your religious background, uh it, it you're you're not prone to it, but it's the same kind of thinking. Interesting. Like uh how, the same kind of thinking, how so? Uh, because you're looking for a situation that is going to solve all your problems as opposed to a religion that's going to Yeah, I think that's the case because I'm, I'm not a religious person even though I was raised as such. I'm a very yeah, secular person and uh, and I think that's part of the problem uh, that happened once you realize, because if you don't believe in that stuff, then there is no salvation and then you realize that, you know life is just life and that you know you're no you're you're just as vulnerable as anyone else yeah uh because you know just again because i i i you know since i personally don't believe that stuff it it uh it sort of um became this woody allen neurotic uh crisis you know for me uh in recent years like wow you know this ends you know and uh that that's that's been tough, and I think it's it has a lot to do with you know the trauma I've experienced from mainly uh, I would say primarily car crash. Yeah, I was in. So what? So it was like you almost didn't make it. Oh, totally. I was in, like in a hospital three months, mm. and uh, and you know confined to a bed for most of that time, and yeah. it, and, it, and it definitely uh, you know it shaped a lot of my perspective because I, I was 17 it happened in the very you know impo- like I, I, I was still I was still basically working out the kinks as a teenager yeah and so for that to happen it really uh it, it, it gave me a lot of uh good I feel like good ideas as far as like well I'm not really concerned about living by anyone else's expectations but it also created a lot of uh distorted ideas about just uh, you know how how the world works, or I, I mean, just and 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 you know, uh, tons of different ideas come into your head when you know you've been fit, you're in a situation like that. Yeah, like what? Just uh, the idea that there had to be a reason that it happened mm. because nothing that unfair could happen to someone just because. Right, but that's right. that's that is just because. Yeah, I mean that's why things. I mean that's why I believe. I've come to a conclusion, you know, just through, you know, my own personal work is that things just happen because they happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're fortunate, um, ourselves to, you know, I mean, born, be born like in America is, you know, an okay place to live for a lot of people. And I think it's been for us, uh, not so much for other people. Yeah. And then you have the countries that are very impoverished, and you're basically born to die because you're going to starve. And they didn't do anything to deserve that. Yeah, it's just it just happened. You know, things happen because they happen. And and I think once you sort of drop that belief of there had to be a reason, then you realize that you're still vulnerable, and bad shit could happen at any time. And so it it it, it ultimately is healthier to sort of come to that conclusion. But that was that was pretty big pretty uh big thing for me to try and work through mm. 
I deal with that a lot too. It sucks to be like every single thing that ever happened is just because. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad. Well, because it, it you have to face the idea that, you know, I don't want to say like you're not special because I think you, I think, you know, all humans are special. Yeah. And we're special because we're human. But you're not more special. But you're not more special than the other person. You know, you're just fortunate. Yeah. You know, like, uh, fortunate to be living here, you know, to be with her. And all these things was just, like, good fortune. But, like, I could have been killed that day. Or I could be paralyzed. I could be living with my parents still. But because of a few inches to the right, I'm here. Yeah. And I'm living life. And it's just... To to sort of have to acknowledge that was very difficult. Yeah. Because I, I'd gone under this assumption. Because, again, trying to avoid the whole thing... Avoid the idea that something this terrible, you know, terrible things happen. You know, I mean, it's like someone goes in and shoots in some five year olds. Just it just happened. Yeah, and I'm just sort of accepting that. It's it's been been quite an experience. Yeah, I I feel you. I didn't I didn't intend for it to get so serious. No, no, it's a part of the story. It's a part of the story that I need to acknowledge. Yeah, Uh, you know, I wish I wish that it was all. You know, gum and candy and sitcoms. Yeah. But that's you know that. But I mean, the the you know the quicker we acknowledge that it's not like that, the quicker we can get back to the good things. That's you know? true. So uh, I don't know. I think we should end it on a more upbeat, upbeat <laughs> note. So uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I guess we didn't really talk about like the new album, like how I, I always feel weird. To, I always ask this, but I feel weird about it because. Everything all of us do is on like a micro level, mm-hmm. but like, but like, how has it been received? I, I mean, I think uh, I would think relatively well. I mean, the the thing is, when you know you're, you're not getting this huge mass exposure, you're not in you know these huge publications. Yeah. It can be tough to gauge, uh, you know, critical claim because who are the right. critics? But I feel like uh, in the situation where a lot of people hear the album who are you know your friends or bands you meet on tour or you know some the limited publications that give it you know it's due that uh i feel like that if my friends or you know whoever didn't like it that they would just sort of be quiet about it like yeah you know sorry you know and everything but i feel like it's it's been good feedback i feel like because people have been very specific about the feedback like it's it's kind of you know it kind of has a darker feel, which makes sense because, you know, it's gone through some stuff and, like, uh, it, it's also, like, really weirder than, you know, the, you know, yeah. the last, you know, maybe album because I guess, and I think part of it was, you know, for me trying to get back to the roots of, you know, uh, me as a person and just sort of, like, being a little more open, uh, just with my ideas, you know, so maybe that's, how, you know, more experimental, weird, and, uh, um, so I think it's generally, uh, been received pretty well, what do you think? It's funny, because I, I literally hadn't thought about whether it was well received or not, yeah. until you asked that, like, literally, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. I think the overwhelming, uh, I, I, I think if I if I had to narrow it down on how it's been received, I think people appreciate that it is a departure, I think. Yeah. I think people like the fact that it's a little bit darker. 
which is so funny because the songs are, I, I, there isn't, it's probably the least personal album content wise hmm. that you've, you've put together. I, I think Maybe. it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's more topical than yeah. it has been in the past. Um, it's less personal, but it's also like musically, I think it's darker, which I yeah. think, I think is consistent with how, uh, he feels about, um, his mood having impacted the way it sounds, which is so interesting now that I think about it, that, that, that it just sort of like quietly, like your mood quietly crept its way into um, how it sounds, if not what it's saying. Right. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, one plus one equals two, I think as far as, you know, sort of what you're dealing with and what comes out creatively, even if you're sort of, you know, uh, you know, whenever I sit down to write, I'm generally in, you know, a pretty good place. And if the song comes out like I want it, then that means that I felt good about what I did. But yeah, it'll it'll creep in there, I, I suppose, yeah. Totally. I think, I think the reaction, I think the reaction has been, like, that, I think the fact that people have described it as dark is the most incisive thing that people have said about it. I think people have reacted very strongly to the cover art because it's so good. Yeah, shout out to our friend Noah, Noah. who did the cover <laughs> art, Photoshop genius. I mean, yeah. he just did that like on his phone in like half an hour. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's so people have reacted strongly to that. Yes, and um, again, I think I think people have reacted strongly to the um, the original topics that ha- that because the Bill and Hillary Clinton making out in a hot tub filled with poop and pee is something that people react strongly to both the title and when we when we play it because yeah. really it's good it's really good yeah. i think it's one of the stronger songs that we've put out period and yeah and after going through like you know like this mental crisis and everything it, it felt good to really get back and and you know, feel free again. And free then to myself, freak out the squares, right? Yeah, yeah. Free, free, to, free to stick it to the man. Yeah. You know, like uh, I'm gonna write a song called Bill and Hillary Clinton, make it out in a hot tub full of poop and pee, and there's not a fucking thing you can do to stop it. Yeah. And uh, and and that's going back to again, like since we're not worried about like moving units and stuff like that, you know, there, there's you know, the world's our oyster. Yeah. You know. I think. I think. Yeah. I. The, not only that song, but also like uh, the um, the fact that you felt open to doing the Yo Palm Springs song. I think is is again it's it's pretty consistent with the theme of the album. And I think uh, the Electric Grandmother has never been more fuck you than it's been right now. Like, <laughs> it, it, it has really like I I think even though and and I and I'll and I'll say this openly I I don't think I'll ever like an Electric Grandmother album as much as I like Love and an Escalator that is and will always be my favorite which is the one right before this one yeah um but this one is braver and more interesting than I think anything that you've ever put out including the very early stuff which was just so off the wall it's it's again it's 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 really it's really interesting and really brave which I think is sometimes better than. Something that's aesthetically nice, like what the escalator was. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm very, I'm very, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I agree with that, and uh, it, it's, it's kind of a return to, return to form in that manner, of like you know she says it's a fuck you album, and, and you know it just it it's so I'm, 
you know, even though I went through like some tough times, you know, especially you probably gathered that it was a lot of it came after we moved here, uh, you know, and it's not like I would want to do it again, or it's not like I'm saying thank you for having that happen because it's, it's awful, but, uh, you know, this album put out, I'm just really happy and proud of. And uh, so it especially, you know, is get away from the tougher times more to sort of feeling like, you know, more comfortable with, you know, uh, things like how I used to. It'll it'll serve as like this, this point in history of just like of our lives where things were just, you know, Roaring back. Exactly. Yeah. And and just like uh like I, I wrote this song, Red Hot Oahu Blues, and it was sort of like it was, it was like I described it as like an apology to ourselves for having to go through this. I mean not just things just happen as nobody's fault, but just sort of like I'm sorry that this happened and so uh it, it's it's that that like I, I've never written a song before where like I cried while writing it. Mm. That was that was the first time that's happened, and and it's just sort of the cherry on top of the whole experience, I guess. Oh, that's awesome. That was an upbeat note. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Well, so thank much. you, Dan, and uh, you know, you're a, you're a good friend and a great artist, and heck, we're honored to be here. Oh, honored to have you. So that's that. Make sure that stays on. There. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We'll see you next week.